0: morning. How are we doing? Am I on? You on? There we go. Live and in person. Um, I was appreciated, Brian, praying for the sick this morning because we need to do that. Would you continue to lift up folks in our congregation, people that you know? Let us know if there's people we could be praying for. We have a team called I Pray where emails go out and, and they're prayed for every Thursday or individually from From the different folks. So, um, before we get into our message this morning, I want to acknowledge and pray for all of our teachers in our congregation. So, if you're a teacher at any level, homeschool through university, would you stand up? (laughs) Teachers. Wow. (laughs) Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing, teachers. Father, thank you for these folks that have such influence. Lord, they are, many of them are missionaries in their own schools. They have a calling in a, in a weird way right now in our, our culture, the quandary that especially the, the public school teachers are, are experiencing. Would you give them great wisdom? Father, would you just pour out wisdom and compassion and love to influence for the kingdom of God in their schools? Father, we pray for our our homeschool parents. Lord, give them patience and wisdom as well. Um, Give them diligence and to teach their kids, uh, not just academically, but God, about you. About your plan for their lives. So give them all your peace this morning. Give them your rest. Give them vision for the future in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you guys once again. So people make lists for all kinds of things, right? You make a list for your goals at the beginning of the year. At least I know Kristen Diebel does, right? She's probably the only one that keeps them too. But goals lists, we have to-do lists, right? Chandler, our middle daughter, if you see her room, her car, there's little sticky notes everywhere reminding her of things that she needs to accomplish. Grocery lists, I mean, no, don't go to the store if you're hungry without a list, that looks good, that looks good, that looks... Yeah, I could probably use that today. Um, school supply lists. Speaking of teachers, you've got school supply lists. You have cleaning lists. Every Saturday, we have a group of people, volunteers who take turns coming and preparing the building so that it's clean and sanitized and ready for us to have service. And that is a plug. That if you'd like to serve somewhere, we could always use uh, more part of the cleaning team. Um, One of my new favorite is playlists. Playlists, when you have your music platform, whether it's Spotify or Apple or whatever, you can take songs and make a playlist that you get to hear what you want to hear rather than skipping a song. I, I like that a lot. I have playlists that I wear out. My parents passed away a couple years ago, and we were going through boxes of stuff that they had kept for years. And I found my Christmas wish list from when I was about seven or eight years old. It was a little index card. My cute little boy handwriting, misspelling everything. Everything I wanted was about sports. I wanted a hockey stick. I wanted a new basketball. I wanted a football, some kind of games, all, everything to do with sports. We make lists. And you're going, what in the world does that have to do with the message this morning? I'll get to that in just a second. As Brian said, we're in this series called Frequently Asked Questions, where we have, and we subtitled it, Questioning Your Answers, because it's important that if you don't answer certain questions right, we're going to not live this life that Jesus has for us in the abundance that he promised for us. So the questions that we've been asking and going to continue to ask are, who is Jesus? I mean, no, you got to get that one right. If you 're going to get any of them right, um, last week we did you know what why did Jesus come to the earth? and if you remember, I said he came to clear it up, He wanted to show us what God was really like in his life, and he wanted to show us what humanity was supposed to be like. He's the true human, and then he wanted to he came to give up his life, raise it up. And then fill it up. In going back to heaven, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about what does he expect of me? Questioning your answer on that is important. Sometimes we deduce our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, to a list. I don't do this, and I do that, and I don't do this, and I have these lists. And that's how we're trying to live our life, by a list, when Jesus is like, why don't you move that out of the way? Let's have a relationship together. Let's walk together. Relationships are not about lists and checking things off. They're about the depth of the relationship. So what does Jesus expect of us? And I would tell you during the the sermon this morning, the talk, if you have questions about anything that I say or questions that are just Maybe the Holy Spirit brings to your mind or something you've been wrestling with, text it in. We'll do our very best to answer the question in, during our Q&A time. We're not going to get to every question, even in the four weeks, but we're going to have different platforms where we'll be able to try to answer and have some dialogue. And our leadership team has said that they would be willing to meet, have a coffee, do whatever to help people through their their. They're questions, so that's what what we're trying to do here. So what does Jesus expect of me? In Deuteronomy, uh, which is one of the five books of Moses, the Torah, the books of the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, here's what Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13 says. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Catch that last part, for your good. The commandments of the Lord are good. They're always for our good. Now, Jesus, who is God, the Lord who's speaking, he he was asked, in the, we see it in the Gospels a couple times, where a teacher of the law, somebody who would have just known the five books of Moses like the back of their hand, tried to trick Jesus. And they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, those two are intertwined. We love God by loving our neighbor. We love God by worshiping and trusting him and believing him and putting others first. So he, he gives us the cliff notes and summarizes our 613 commands in the Old Testament, 613. And Jesus says, I can summarize all those with the word love, the word love. So I want you to hear that over and over today as I'm talking, what Jesus expects of you and I is to walk in love. I mean, no, we don't do that all the time. It's not easy to love people who seem unlovable, people who are broken. It's hard to see people who hurt us through the eyes of love. So it's important that we get that. So what does Jesus expect of me and you? I want you to question your answers. I want to move away from the lists to intimacy with our Father, intimacy with Jesus, and allow that relationship uh, to be the main focus. So the first thing got three things that I think Jesus expects of us that summarizes it all. First of all, he expects me to believe in him by trusting him. He expects me to believe in him by trusting him. Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room in the gospel of John, and he's telling them that he's going to have to suffer and die, but he's going to be raised from the dead. And they're freaking out. Like, Jesus, we've been walking with you for three years, and you're telling us you're going to die? Like, that's, they could could not focus on anything but that. And he tells them, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, and believe also in me. Now, that word believe, the Greek word, could easily be interpreted as trust. Trust in God, trust in me. Believe and trust trust. Go hand in hand. And it's a present tense of believing. It's not, well, I believed a long time ago, so I'm good. Or I'll believe in the future. It's an ongoing walk of faith of belief and trust in him. How many know life brings troubles, right? Life brings troubles. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Maybe today you're going through something and your heart's troubled. Jesus' words is, hey, trust me. Trust God. I got this. A lot of the questions, or several of the questions that have been coming in that were kind of outside of the, the, what the content of the message is, have been questions about can I trust God? Can I really trust Him that on that day, you know, I'll make it through? You know, I have this little habit or I have this hang up. Am I going to be part of His bride? I believe in Jesus. I trust in Jesus, but will I make it? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Secondly, he expects us to walk with him by following him as his disciple. This is such an important message, guys. Such an important message to realize that we walk with Jesus. that's That's a metaphor throughout the scriptures about our relationship with God as a walk. And we walk together in a close proximity. If you go on a walk with somebody and they're 50 yards ahead of you, you're not walking together. You're not on a walk together. When you walk together, you're side by side walking. If you walk with me, you better, you know, keep your steps up because I tend to walk fast. But I'll slow down for you. But I, uh, I, th- that's an important picture to have in your mind. We have a walk with Jesus. And he, we follow him as his disciple. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is dialoguing with religious leaders. And they're trying to trick him, and he's frustrating them because Jesus didn't fit, and his teachings didn't fit in their little religious box, and they were frustrated. And while he's dialoguing with these religious leaders, the Pharisees, there's a crowd of people that are listening in on this conversation. and Jesus takes his his face off of the religious leaders and he looks at the crowd and he says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly now many of you know that that verse has come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden i will give you rest take my yoke upon you my burden is easy and light that's just a paraphrase that's colorful i've always liked that particular way that that is keep company with me learn how to live from me so to be a disciple of jesus To be a disciple means to be a student, a learner, or an apprentice. That's really what a disciple is. You're learning, if you're discipled by somebody, you're learning how to live or how to walk from that person. Jesus wants us to be his disciple. He wants you and I to be more than just believers. That's so on my heart for all of us, is that we're not just believers, but we're ongoing trusting him. We're following him. We're putting into practice What he says to do, even when we fail, get back up. Because you're going to fail. I fail every day. Get back up. Keep following him. The word apprentice really stood out to me. We have electricians in our congregation, plumbers. And to become a journeyman electrician, Steve, help me if I'm wrong here, you've got to apprentice under a master electrician for several years as you learn the trade. Well, Jesus says, listen, the trade of life, I want to teach you how to live. I want to teach you what life is really about. Follow me. Be my disciple. Be my apprentice. Jesus said in Luke 6, 40, he says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. You become like the one you're being taught from, being influenced from, so when you hear the... The Christian word discipleship, what that means in an easy translation is learning how to live life from the master, from the one who is the author of life, the creator of life. You're learning his vantage point about yourself, about others, about life, etc. It's learning how to live life from his vantage point. So I would take it a little further, and a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus means I learn how to think, act, and speak like Jesus. Learn how to think, act, and speak like Jesus. That's what discipleship really is about. And it's a process. It's a lifelong process. None of us is going to ever arrive at this perfection, but daily, weekly, yearly, he wants us to be coming more like him. And sometimes I hear people say this man. Well, Jesus is perfect. Yeah, good We have a perfect Savior and he knows our imperfection And he says follow me trust me. Give me your life. Give me your mistakes. Give me your failures We have to undo a lot of bad thinking that we've been taught in our life especially if you weren't raised following Jesus You're undoing layer upon layer of of wrong thinking about what the meaning of life is, about what God wants for me, what God has for me. Maybe it's bad theology, bad interpretations of Scripture that have been heaped upon us. Being a disciple means Jesus is undoing that. I've said this before. Wouldn't it be great if as soon as you confess faith in Jesus, like, putting a bag of popcorn in the microwave, ding, 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 bam, popcorn's ready and out pops Jesus, right? I act like him. I, I think like him and I'm ready to go. It doesn't work like that. It, it, this is a process and he gets it. Give yourself some grace. None of us is going to be perfect. Give yourself grace because he gives grace. Grace is not a license to do whatever you want to do. Grace is what teaches us how to walk in godliness. Titus says that, that it's grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, not me trying harder. If you ever caught yourself, the harder you try to be godly, the less godly you find yourself. This is a relationship, learning how to think, act, and speak like Jesus. One of my favorite promises that Jesus said is in John 8:12. He says, I'm the light of the world, Whoever follows me, meaning be his disciple, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As you and I follow Jesus and put into practice what he has told us what life is about, we walk in the light. When I go my own way and try to do things my own way, that's where darkness comes in. That's where a lack of understanding of what it means to walk in the light. And I've said this, part of this whole series is, that was on my heart when we were preparing this is that we would move from just the title believer or the title Christian to I follow Jesus. Like, I put into practice what he says to do. We, we live in a, a world where, especially in America and the West, where you can, quote, believe without being his disciple. That's not how Jesus taught. That's not what he had to say about it. He said, you're going to be different when you, be, when you believe in me and trust in me. It's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card. This is a way of life. That's what discipleship really is. You're building your life on the person of Jesus. There's no such thing as a good Christian. There's no such thing as a bad Christian. It, that we follow Jesus with, some, with ups and downs in our walk. So how do we do this? How do we learn to be his disciple? How do we learn to think and act and speak like Jesus? Here's what I would tell you. I arrange my life around the same priorities and practices that he modeled. When you read through the Gospels and you see what was the priority of Jesus, well, I can tell you the priority of Jesus was to do the will of his father. Wake up every day, father, I want to do your will. Your will is best. And I can promise you this. You don't have to struggle with doing the will of God if you say, God, I want to do your will. The person who wants to do God's will will do the will of God. The battle is in our own will. Am I going to do things my way or am I going to do things his way? Now, listen, this is not a message about if you're starting to feel this, well, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a good Christian or I don't do this. and I Stop all that. Just listen to what Jesus is trying to say this morning about a relationship with him and saying, Jesus, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live my life the way you want me to live. His priority was the will of his father. His priority was to love people. His priority was to heal along the way, be loving people and calling people back to God. That was his priority. Arrange your life around those priorities. What were some of his practices that he modeled? Well, Jesus got alone with his father before he did ministry. You see that over and over. Every time Jesus did anything big, it says Jesus was alone with his father, then went and poured himself out in ministry. Joel Dennis gave a great message weeks ago about God fills us up, and then he pours us out. We got to go back and get filled up again. Otherwise, we're running on an empty tank. And, and to, to do life, life is busy, man. You guys, a lot of you have kids and sports and this and businesses and things you're waiting to happen and stress. And you're empty. Go get filled back up. Go spend time with your father before you enter into a rough day, a long day, a long week. Spend time with the father. Let him fill you back up. So important. So, secondly... He wants us to to walk with... Third, this is my thirdly. He wants us to believe and trust in him. He wants us to walk with him as his disciple. And then he expects my life to bear good fruit. He expects your life to bear good fruit. Not, that is not any kind of shaming or any of that. He expects it. Anybody who follows him, their life will bear good fruit. It just is... The, the way it is. He said, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. See the correlation there? As you're his disciple, as you walk with him, believe him, and trust him, your life will bear good fruit. It's just is a fact. It's not us working it up. It's as you walk with him, your life will bear good fruit. It's to the Father's glory, and it's, it's what Jesus expects of our life. Don't hear perfection. I sense it right now. Well, Scott, you don't know, man. I got this, I got that, and I screwed up here. And I sc- That's not what this is about. This is about getting back on the path, walking hand in hand with Jesus, and letting him work good fruit in your life. Make sense? So let's talk about this fruit. Fruit is a metaphor used throughout Scripture about um, our lives and, and what happens in, internally and outwardly in our lives So when you think of fruit think of inner and outer fruit Inner and outer fruit Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the spirit that when we walk in the spirit or when we connect with Jesus that the spirit will produce Inner and outer good fruit spiritual fruit in our life now the first four Love, joy, peace, patience. Let's stop there. Put a little line before kindness. Those are the inner fruits of the spirit: love, joy, peace. How about even patience? Who's good at patience? <laughs> Whenever you get in a stressful on our on our mission trips or whatever, and things get chaotic, I'm like, all right, who paid for, prayed for patience today? Because the only way you walk in patience is and has it's produced is when life's is stressful. When you're in an impatient situation, you're waiting on something, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. It's peace. In spite of circumstances, it's joy. It's being loving. The next fruits of the Spirit are the outward ones. Kindness. Being kind to someone, that's an outward fruit. Being good to somebody. Being faithful. Gentleness. The word gentleness means controlled strength. It's spoken of Jesus that he was gentle at heart. I mean, you know, Joel Dennis is a big dude. When, he's, when he is uh, being gentle, it's controlled strength. It's a con- controlled of, of, I could squash you, but I'm not going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient. Gentleness, self-control. Janelle and I were talking about this. Is self-control an inner or, or an outer fruit? I say it's an in- inward fruit. Um, I mean, it's an outward fruit because I want to do something that I know I I shouldn't do or do something in excess or this or that. Self-control is, no, I'm not going to do it. So outwardly, I don't act out on whatever it is I could lack self-control on. How do I bear good fruit? How do I bear good fruit? Do you ever look at some people's lives and you see their life, and they're at peace in the midst of a storm in their life. They got joy. when it doesn't look like they should have any joy. You look at somebody, man, they're quick to forgive. Quick to serve. Those people are abiding in Jesus. Those people are staying connected to the vine. And allowing the Spirit to produce that good fruit in their lives. So how do I bear good fruit? I need to abide in him. I need to abide in him. The word abide means to remain, to stay connected, to stay connected. You ever noticed? like, sometimes we try to make the spiritual fruit happen in our life. Oh, come on, goodness. Come on, patience. It's like a picture of an apple tree, you know. Come on, pop out apple. I command you. Boom, Lord, help me. Orange tree. Let's make it happen pretty stupid right (laughs) like silly it's goofy but we do that we're trying so hard when the fruit comes naturally as we abide in Jesus as we walk in the spirit it's not some mystical thing don't wait for some mystical experience for good fruit to come just abide in Jesus do what he says to do John 15, one of the greatest chapters, in my opinion, on what it means to walk with Jesus. If you've never read the Gospel of John, or in particularly John 15, go read it this week. Read John 15, where Jesus talks over and over about how do we bear good fruit. He says in John fifteen four, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. Apart from him, we can't do diddly. But connected to him, he's going to produce good fruit in and through our lives. How does that happen? I wrote down a list. (laughs) Remember, I said no lists, but a little four things that we can do in abiding in Jesus and staying connected. Remember, he's the vine, we're the branch. The branch can't bear fruit if it's disconnected from the vine. So how do we stay in this vital, living, active relationship with Jesus? And again, I'm going to remind some of you who right now are going, man, I can't do this. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. I I don't. But I know what Jesus said, and it's not about the lists. It's not about that. It's about I'm going to abide in Jesus. I'm going to let him be my connection to life. A couple things. First of all, abide in his word. He said in John 8, 31, he said, whoever abides in my word will prove to be my disciple. So remaining in what he says, what did Jesus say about life? What did he say should be the priorities of our life? What did he say we should do to practice this relationship with him? And then abide in prayer. Abide in prayer, Matthew 6, 6, ask, seek, knock keep on knocking keep on asking keep on seeking that's not you know he's waiting on the 20th time to go okay I'm tired of you bugging me on this no it's it means relationship that's that's what that's all intertwined about on on Friday I had a a meeting appointment with some dear friends and uh, we had had some struggles at what we were trying to accomplish and I was getting ready brushed my teeth blah 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 and I was just like father um, would you give us clarity? Would you give us, a, you know, your mind on this? And he immediately spoke back to me, and he said, when you get to the church, I want the three of you to separate in the church and go seek me individually. And I'm going to speak to each one of you. I'm like, okay, you know, I trust you. <laughs> and by faith, we did that. As soon as they got here, we we went our separate ways for 15 minutes then we were going to come back together and pray and we came back what did the lord say to you what did he say to you what did he say to me and he started speaking we heard from the lord by abiding in a simple prayer and listening to him and had an amazing breakthrough and our, and it was just one of those times where you go i heard from god like you ever had those moments? i'm always shocked god's not shocked he's speaking Sometimes we're too busy, distracted by things to hear him speak. Abide in obedience. That word gets a bad rap. It's like, dog, you will obey me. (laughs) You will sit. Obey my command. That's not what that word means when Jesus says, do what I say to do. Everything Jesus tells you and I to do is for our own good. Always because he's a good God He's always going, whatever he asks us to do or not to do in following him is always going to be for our goodness or good in our life. John 15 verse 10, if you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. Doesn't mean I'll love you if you keep my commands. It means you'll experience my love. As you do what I say to do, he's saying you'll experience my love. Now, it's not easy. Some of the things that Jesus asks of us are not easy. You know what I'm talking about? He said, whoever wants to follow me, take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Wouldn't it be better if he said, take up your easy chair? Take up your recliner and follow me? That's not what he said. He said, take up this instrument of death. Learn to deny yourself by dying to yourself. He wants us to become others-centered, that others-centeredness is our first response rather than, "Uh uh-oh, what's in it for me? He's undoing all this. This is what it means to be human, and he's the perfect human, and he always denied himself, and it was others-centered. We get that from Jesus. This applies to your key relationships in your life. It's not easy in, in, in relationships when you're butting heads and you're frustrated and, Man, but when you learn to deny yourself, walk in, in His love, even when it's hard. It's not. How many? No. Somebody betrays you. It's not easy to forgive. To bless your enemy, to bless those that curse you. I want to fight back. Right? How many understand what I'm saying? You get cursed out, and especially when you're driving, like I don't even have to follow you around. I know how we all can drive. Sometimes we get frustrated. People are shooting us the bird and cutting us off and speeding and all kinds of stuff. And ah. And try this tomorrow on your way on your commute. Bless those who curse you on your way to work. How many are in for that? You're like, Scott, you're asking way too much right now. How would Jesus drive? And then lastly, in this abiding, abide in fellowship. Abide in fellowship. Gathering together was not our idea. It was his idea. Jesus did his ministry by calling 12 to do it with him and three to be his core group. So if he modeled that, then we need that. We need connection. He created us not to walk with him alone, but together. Obviously, our walks are individual, but we're also Doing this together, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them, he said. So let's summarize the last thing in abiding. that I, I, This hit me when I was putting this together. In abiding in him, to, for him to produce good fruit in our life, I need to listen to his voice over all the competing ones. Listen to his voice. Over all these competing voices. In Matthew 17:5, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the mountain. And on the mountain, he's transfigured and turns, his clothes turn glowing white. Man, they have, whoa, they saw him in his glory. And Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus, representing the law and the prophets. And Jesus' fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And, and Peter, just like all of us, he just starts babbling some silly stuff. Habba da, da, He was freaking out. And the father shouts from heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Important. Listen to him, guys. There's a lot of competing voices out there. There's a lot of distractions in your walk. a lot of distractions in my walk and you might say well you're a pastor you just read the Bible and pray oh and play golf all week long (laughs) no that's I wish it was like that but that's not how it works there's a lot going on I cannot ever let my walk be ministry or I I won't be any good to anybody I have to have my own individual walk so speaking of walking around our Neighborhood where we live There's a lot of cool trails to walk on And this season, especially summer And when it's hot You go out and there are grasshoppers Galore I hate grasshoppers I would rather have a spider touch me Than a grasshopper, I'm not kidding If you said you had to do one or the other I'd be, put the spider, here we go They're gross, I don't know why God Created them, but that's a whole other Q&A, put that in Q&A Why did God create grasshoppers? When I'm, they, they, here's what happens. Here's here's the illustration I want you to hear. They ruin my walk. They rip the joy, right? Because I get mad and like, oh, get hit in the face. One hit me in the cheek, trying to get in my mouth. Like, I'd be really mad. Here's what I want you to take from them. What grasshoppers, so to speak, of life are taking the joy out of your walk with Jesus. What distractions in life are maybe potentially ruining your walk? I'm looking in my own life and saying, man, God, what are the grasshoppers that are messing with my walk? Getting in the way of what he wants from me. I wish I hated the grasshoppers in my walk as much as I hate real grasshoppers. But that's a process of learning that. So here's what i want to do i want to take one minute and i want all of us to take a moment and just quietly in your mind ask the holy spirit to show you what are the grasshoppers that are trying to ruin your walk right now steal your joy to keep you from abiding brings them to your mind. Repent. Repentance is just a change of mind and direction. It's a good word, too. Don't tell them you'll try harder. Tell him I want to abide in you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Holy Spirit. do what you want me to do. As you confess that to him, watch what he'll do in your life. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for hope and life. Because of him, we place our trust and lives in your hands. In Jesus' name,